Welcome, everyone. This is Michael Blue, and you've connected to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, the podcast, where we are cultivating makers and shapers of culture. Prepare for a riveting time in the principles and practices of the King and of His Kingdom. You are about to be charged, challenged, and changed. I know you're ready. Let's go. We're going to go to our time of prayer. And remember what we shared last time, that this prayer moment is not just a preliminary or a formality, but that this prayer time is the opportunity for us to intercede on behalf of professionals, intercede on behalf of our brothers and sisters, intercede on behalf of our nation itself, uh, and the workforce and all of the enterprises that go into the professions, the nation and the world. So it's a moment of intercession, gratitude, thanksgiving, and then intercession. All right, so let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we thank you that you've made it possible for us to come together in this session, in this segment. Father, we thank you for live health and strength. We thank you for the activity of our limbs. We thank you that we are clothed and that we're in our right minds. Thank you, O oh God, that you have supplied all our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we ask you now, Lord, that you would just have your way. Have your way, Father, in the name of Jesus. Let no flesh glory in your presence, but you be God in us. We pray, Lord, that you forgive us of all our sins and blot out our transgressions. Everything in our lives that's contrary to you, we ask that you blot it out. Father, let us be clad afresh with the whole armor of God. Lord, let us be washed afresh with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We pray now, Father, for every man, woman, boy, girl, moving in the professional realms or preparing to do so, that you, Lord, would strengthen them, that you, Lord, would encourage them and build them up. If there is fear or anxiety or doubt, if there is worry, if there is anger, anything that is less than your peace and your joy and your love, I ask your God that you will restrain it. I ask your God that you will heal them. I ask you that you will restore them, restore uh, a an equilibrium, restore, Lord God, a balance in them the foundation is sure. The foundation is Jesus Christ. And let their lives and let their temperament be anchored to the solid rock. And then, Lord, every need that they have, every resource need, every financial need, every human resource need, every uh, real estate need, whatever it might be, we ask that you supply every need that the people have. Lord, let every professional arise and excel to your glory. Minister to them in their personal relationships. Minister to them in their health. Minister to them, Lord, in every area in order for them to walk in the excellence of the king and of his kingdom. And for this, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, God bless you all. Thank you for praying with us and praying one for another. And uh, we believe, God, that whatever your profession is, that he will cause you to walk. <clears throat> he will cause you to walk in prosperity and abundance with regard to it. And when I say prosperity, I don't merely mean material uh, wealth. There's nothing wrong with material wealth, but I mean wholeness which includes the material and the non-material. All right. Well, we have been uh, using as our theme these words, and I'll put the graphic back up just for a moment that you might be able to witness it. We've been um, using as our theme being, becoming, doing. And we are using that because um, that is the process, the grand process that God uses in order to develop us 
into that which he calls us to be. He is the God who cultivates us, makes us by means of being, becoming, doing. We did not, um, we did not initially announce a theme verse, although we've been using this verse, but we're going to um, call it what it is, and that is our theme verse. All of you that I have not greeted by name, we honor all of you, appreciate all of you. Sister Ford, Minister Graham, um, Sister Bailey, Sister Stacks. So in the book of Genesis chapter 12, and this is not a sermon. Uh, we don't apologize for sermons, but this is not one. This is not one. This is um, uh, what we trust to be in a, a, a conversation with you. Pastor Dr. McKnight, good to see you, sir. Enjoying our fellowship on Saturday. Elder Johnson, God bless you. Pastor Crouch, good to see you. Um, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy kindred and from thy, I'm sorry, I read a little too fast. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. All right. So, Reverend Oliver, good to see you, sir. Sister York, Brother Walker. Uh, God speaks to Abraham, but listen to the way the text reads. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get thee out from thy kindred, thy country, thy country, thy kindred, thy father's house. He said, the Bible says, now the Lord had said. What does that mean? Well, in English, had said is called the past perfect tense. Perfect means complete. Past means somewhere in the past, somewhere prior to now. So that means that somewhere prior to now, God told Abraham, get thee out. So in other words, it's not right now that God said, get out. No, it was somewhere in the past. God had already told him, get out from your country, your kindred, and your father's house. I told the group this morning that one of the reasons why that rendering that stating, that statement, the way that it's stated is important is because it suggests that Abram may not have immediately gotten up and uh, fulfilled that instruction as soon as he was told. It may be that Abraham hesitated. It may be that, uh, that uh, Ab Abram, he became later Abraham, that he dragged his feet a bit. And that gives hope to all of us, not hope in dragging feet, but hope that even though he started out with dragging feet, he fulfilled the purpose of God, that those of us who have dragged our feet before can also fulfill the call of God. And so he said, get thee out. Now, get thee out in the Hebrew is come to yourself, come to yourself. Now, it means, those of you who says, well, you know, I just want to be to myself for a moment. I just need to be to myself for a little while. You understand, come to yourself. That is, you're going to, uh, you're going to separate from some things. So that's a legitimate interpretation. But what's also legitimate is that God, the eternal God, is speaking to him concerning his purpose and destiny for his life. And he tells Abram, come to yourself. Hmm. Come to myself. Yes, because the you that you are now is not the you that I've destined you to be. I have a purpose and a plan for you that exists in eternity fulfilled. In eternity, it's complete. 
In eternity, I see you in the fullness of my plan for your life. But in time, you will grow into what I already have declared and decreed. So, Abram, in eternity, you be Abraham. Why you say be, Brother Blue? Here's why. Because the, the verb be, the infinitive to be, connotes and conveys to us existence. Existence. Being is existence. And when God spoke to Moses and Moses asked God for his name, God said, I am that I am, or I be who I be, or I will be who I will be, or I was who I was, or I will be who I was, and I was who I am. God says all of that is me because I am existence itself. I'm bigger than time. I'm bigger than calendars. I'm bigger than weeks and years. It's not so much that I exist outside time. Time exists in me. Time is just one aspect of my existence. So whenever God begins to plan a thing or purpose a thing, that thing is purpose outside time. Listen, beyond time in a realm that we best describe as eternity. In the eternal mind and will of God, everything just is. In the eternal mind and plan of God, everything just be. Can you see how we're using the term? So the Abraham that God has purposed, the Abraham that God has planned already be. But in time, in time, in our daily existence, the Abraham that be must become as Abram evolves into Abraham, as Abram grows into Abraham, as Abram is processed into Abraham. So the being comes. What be in the eternal comes in the temporal or in the natural or in the earthly. What be so in the spirit becomes so in the natural. Beautiful illustration. The book of Isaiah chapter 53, I referred to it this morning. I want to go back to it. We're still morning, but in the earlier morning. When God begins to speak prophetically, very often he's speaking from that eternal perspective. Many times when God speaks prophetically, he's speaking from the eternal perspective. And if one is not clear on that, then it can be a little bit um, disorienting. For example, in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2, he's talking, well, verse 1 says, who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Well, that expression, arm of the Lord, is talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the arm of Yahweh, the arm of Jehovah. That is, he is the expression of God. He's, he's God reaching out. He's God reaching to touch humanity. He's God working in the in the natural universe. Verse two, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. That's that's future tense. He have no form nor comeliness, present tense. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty there that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. He is. Look at the next uh, clause. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. Wait a minute. Now, hold now. When we shall see him, there is no beauty. Then it says we hid our faces from him. How do you get he shall grow up, future tense. He hath, present tense. We hid, 
past tense, and we're all talking about that same person, the arm of the Lord. It is because Abraham is speaking prophetically, and the prophetic is often given from the eternal perspective. Let's go further. Verse 5, we're all familiar with verse 5. Isaiah wrote this 700 years, approximately 700 years B.C., that is 700 years before Christ, before his birth, right? And Isaiah writes in 53 and 5, he was wounded. He hasn't even been born yet, and yet Isaiah says he was bruised. The chastisement of peace was upon him. And then he flips again, and with his stripes, we are healed. We are, but if it's 700 years before Christ, I haven't even been born yet, but I'm already healed. I haven't even gotten sick yet, but I'm already healed. You understand that the prophetic mingles the tenses. The prophetic mingles the tenses. And so there's past, present, and future all in the same passage, <clears throat> all in the same prophecy, because God is not bound by time. He's not limited by time. He's speaking, and he's not only speaking, but bringing the thing. Well, let's just go further. The uh, There's a prophetic... Uh, prelude that's put in front of many prophetic pronouncements in the scripture. And it shall come to pass. And it shall come to pass. Have you ever read that? And it shall come to pass. That is a prophetic prelude. And it shall come to pass. And then it says what's going to happen, right? And it shall come to pass. Look at the wording. And it shall come. Now, if there is an it, then something exists to be called an it. Something is already real. Something is already extant. Something already has actuality. And it shall come. Now, in order for it to come, it has to already exist somewhere other than here. In order for it to come, it has to exist somewhere other than now. The it that's going to come can already be here. The it that is going to come cannot be now. It has to be another place and another quote time. So when God says it shall come, that means it is somewhere else already. The it that's going to come. Uh, Pastor Alford up in North Carolina. If Pastor Alford comes to the Door of Hope Worship Center, that means that Pastor Alford was not prior at the Door of Hope Worship Center. He comes. He comes because he's not here. He shall come, but even though he does not come until a certain time, he already exists. Pastor Offer shall come, but Pastor Offer can't come if Pastor Offer doesn't exist somewhere else. The reason why Pastor Offer can come here is because Pastor Offer exists there. What I'm saying is, if God says a thing is an it that shall come, then that it already exists because it can't come if it doesn't exist. It can't come here if it doesn't exist there. It's got to exist there and then be transferred from there to here. Even so, whatever God says to you, by the time God said it, it already exists there. And God is saying to you, that the thing that I've spoken that exists there shall come. He didn't say, and it shall begin to be. He said it shall come. So, so when we talk about be coming, what we mean is 
the thing that God has declared concerning you, that's the be. That's the be. That's the is. That's the am. That's the existence. And what God says that you are and what God says that you shall experience and what God says you shall accomplish in the be realm, which is the eternal realm, now comes in the temporal realm. In other words, you will be come. Abram, you shall become Abraham because Abraham already exists in the mind of God. You see it. Of course you see it. That's why we've called it being, becoming, doing because the purpose of God already exists, be. It develops in time, come. And the fruit of your becoming will be your doing. You will fulfill the purpose. You will fulfill the destiny. You will fulfill God's dream, God's vision. Is that clear? Let me know, friends, if it's clear in the, in the comments. See, the B aspect of who you are is that part of you, Jeremiah. He spoke to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter one. He said this, before I formed thee in thy mother's womb, I knew thee. Well, who did he know? Who did he know? He said, I knew thee. And then I went ahead and had a ceremony. You did what? You had, I had a ceremony. I ordained, I had an ordination service and I went ahead and ordained you. <laughs> I ordained you before you were born. I went ahead and laid hands on you, poured all on you, gave you a new robe. What? How's that possible? Because you be my prophet before you become my prophet. You be my spokesperson before your being comes into earthly manifestation. Becoming is a journey. Becoming, becoming is a discovery. It's a journey, it's an experience, a series of experiences. All right. Now, how that relates to your profession is that there are some people who, in fact, not just some, many people who are rather discouraged on their professional journey because they don't understand the power of their becoming. And so God helps us by allowing us to witness who he is, what he does, and how he does it. God helps us by allowing us to witness who he is and how he does what he does. Because remember, we were created in the image and after the likeness of God. And so to understand ourselves and to understand our purposes and all of that, we have to understand God. To the extent that we understand God, to that same extent we understand ourselves, the extent that we understand, the, the extent to which we understand the blueprint is the extent to which we understand the building. We think that we understand the building because we can walk around it and so forth. We can encounter the building and still not understand the building. Even so, we have live encounters and we live in these bodies and all of that, but we can't truly understand ourselves without understanding our blueprint and God is our blueprint. And so when we uh, meet God, you understand what I say when I, uh, what I mean when I say meet God, 
when we meet God, we meet God in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, we meet God working. We meet God in his professional, one of his professional roles. He's not wearing a crown. He's wearing, he's not wearing uh, a warrior helmet. He's wearing a hard hat. That is, he is operating as a construction worker, if I may use that expression. The architect and the builder all in one. In the beginning, God created, he's working. I thought that it was noteworthy that, listen professionals, that our first experience with God in Genesis is God during a work week. It's not God on vacation. It's not God on the holiday. It's not even God after work. It's God during the work day. I don't know if you like to meet people during your work day. If you were going to meet somebody special, would you want to meet him or her? Somebody who's going to change your world or you're going to, you understand? Would, would, would you want to meet that person during your work day? Well, one thing about a person, you know a per you get to know a person well when you work with him or her. Many of you, your best relationships, some of your most lasting relationships were built in the workplace or through your work. And so I thought it was fascinating that as um as professionals that we in Genesis don't meet God at chapel. We don't meet God in a worship service. I'm being technical. We don't meet God in a convention or at a conference or crusade. We meet God during his work week. There must be something special about the work week. And we meet him at the beginning of it and walk with him day by day by day. What is God doing? He's making a world. He's making a world. But let me pause for a moment and come back to the fact that we meet God during his work day. We meet God during his work day and walk with him through his work week. That's when we get to know it. My, 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 there's so much I want to say to you. Let me just jump in and say this. God does his work day by day, increment by increment, installment by installment, bit by bit, portion by portion, segment by segment. And at the end of each segment, except one, the Bible says, and God saw that it was good. Now, the book of Proverbs chapter 13, the book of Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 9, Proverbs 13, 9, um, makes a very interesting observation. Proverbs 13, 9 says, excuse me, 13, 19 says, the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. That's the first clause. That's our emphasis. The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. Now, when God goes through his work day and his work week, installment by installment, segment by segment, bit by bit, part by part, portion by portion, he does his work and then he reflects on it. And the Bible says he saw that it was good. Sometimes we'll <clears throat> evangelistically say, you understand, we're stretching it. 
uh, someone coined that term that's not original with me, say God said that's good, technically didn't, or at least the scripture doesn't state that he did. The Bible says he saw that it was good. So in other words, inwardly, God assessed what he had done and said that it was good, or saw rather that it was good, and 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 said within, you understand, but not is not stated that he verbalized. So in other words, when God says it's good, obviously he's saying the work is good, the outcome is good, but it is also possible that he's saying what I exerted, the process of bringing it to pass was also good. So in other words, not only was the outcome or the output good, but the input, the process, the, the activity was good. The Bible says the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. Apparently, what God did in his work days was gratifying to him. It was fulfilling to him. His accomplishment was sweet to his soul. And listen, because we're created in his image and after his likeness, we were created for accomplishment. That is, there's something in you that makes you want to achieve, that makes you want to accomplish, that makes you want to build, that makes you want to cultivate, that makes you want to excavate, that makes you want to explore. There's something in you, the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. He engineered you for accomplishment. I said this to the prior group. And, and, and whatever you do, do not allow anyone to rain on that in the negative sense. Don't allow anybody to minimize that or to somehow make you feel bad because of the fact that you can't settle for a life that is devoid of accomplishment because you were created in the image and after the likeness of an individual who every day when he finishes a portion of his work, he does a portion of the work each day. He doesn't try to do it all. In one, and, and, and he could have done it all, not only in one day, in one instant, but instead he did it incrementally. I believe one of the things that he's doing is that he's setting the precedent for us. In other words, he knew that we would be looking across his shoulder through reading the book of Genesis and he's setting a powerful precedent and, and, and being a powerful prototype for his children. Do you follow? I'm talking to professionals. That's all of you. But I'm talking to you as professionals. Now, you were created in the image and after the likeness of God. He does his work methodically, systematically, bit by bit, portion by portion, step by step. And upon completing the steps, he reflects and he sees, he perceives, he determines that what he has done and the doing of it was good. You know, there is a level of fulfillment that comes from accomplishment that nothing else can satisfy. Romance can't satisfy it. Good friendships can't satisfy it. Prayer in and of itself can't satisfy it. Money can't satisfy it. There's something about accomplishment that touches you in the soulish realm. Come on, Ish and Isha students. There's, there's something that accomplishment accomplishes. <laughs> in your soul that nothing else can touch. Remember our discussion about the fact that the soul, uh, that is the psyche of the individual in the scripture is likened unto the female, is likened unto the female. Do you notice that, that Hannah could not rest until she'd given birth. Notice Rachel 
could not rest until she had given birth. Notice that, that Sarah's destiny was tied up with her giving birth. Rebecca's destiny was tied up with her giving birth. What I'm saying is, in these ladies' minds, these are human beings, the, the birthing for them in their culture was accomplishment. Now, you may or may not have a physical child, but every one of you under the sound of my voice has the potential to give birth to something. And that birthing is accomplishment. And you will not, just like those natural women were not satisfied until they had brought forth children, you will not be satisfied until your soul, your, your imagination, your reason and intellect, all of that, until that uh, comes together and produces something. And, and in doing that, it's sweet to your soul. And, and, and this also answers the question as to why there are so many bitter people. One of the reasons why people are bitter is because they have not accomplished that which they desire. You'd be amazed at how many people are angry because their desires have been aborted or their desires have simply been barren. They haven't been able to have those desires conceived. You follow me? The seed exists, but, but there's no germination. There's no insemination. You follow? And so I want to say to every one of you professionals, let the lid of limitation be taken off that desire that you have to accomplish. Just do this. Make sure that you understand that what God calls us to is not worldly ambition, but holy zeal. That desire that you have to accomplish, that desire that you have to attain or obtain, you are the one. Now, others will be able to tell it, but you know from the outset whether you are operating in worldly ambition or holy zeal. And the fundamental difference between worldly ambition and holy zeal is that worldly ambition has the desire in order for me to be big and for me to be recognized and for me to be noticed. Holy zeal has the same passion and the same motivation or momentum, but it is that God may be glorified, that God may receive the honor. Doesn't mean that you don't appreciate being uh, recognized for good work. We're, nothing wrong with that. But when you become the center, when you become the object of the adulation, when all of the applause is for me, I just missed it. And one of the things that I'm really concerned about when I teach kingdom of God is that some of the people that I teach, and I don't, I don't mean necessarily those of you that are on here, I'm talking about people that I've taught down through the years that they get a piece of it and then they kind of spin off and get out of the orbit and think that what God is doing is puffing egos. That's not what he's doing. He's empowering souls that they might fulfill divine purpose. And so I just want you to make sure, all of us, you have to keep checking yourself. Keep checking yourself. Make sure that you're operating in holy zeal, not worldly ambition. Holy zeal will never step on anybody to get ahead. Holy zeal will never come out of character. Holy zeal will never compete against a brother or a sister. But worldly ambition will step all over people. Worldly ambition will do whatever they think it takes by any means necessary, right? So we want to make sure that what we're doing is based upon holy zeal, not worldly ambition. That makes sense? All right. 
And so our God has created us in his image after his likeness. And even as it appears that he was gratified and fulfilled in accomplishing what he did from day to day, you and I can derive gratification and fulfillment from knowing that we've done our work well and that we've accomplished something significant. I think that's powerful. And I thank God for modeling that for us. Don't you? I thank God for modeling for us that step-by-step -step processing and then reflecting and letting us know. Because again, it, did, it does not state he said it was good. It says he saw that it was good. You know what? He had an audience. He had an audience. The Bible tells us that the angels were there. They were watching and they were rejoicing. But the Bible says he saw that it was good. You know what that means? He did not need outside affirmation or outside information concerning the quality of his work. He did not need from the outside affirmation or validation concerning what he had done. Is that all right? That's important. That's important on a lot of different levels. Because if you happen not to have an audience and you derive all of your validation from an audience, then does that mean you'll allow your quality to slump maybe? No, he saw that it was good. If nobody else applauds, applauds rather, if nobody else applauds, if no one else celebrates, I know it's good. And even if others do applaud, if I don't know it's good, I'm still not satisfied. Others may say, oh, it's fine. No, no problem. Child, don't worry about it. It's good enough. It's not good enough for me. It's not good until I see that it's good. You follow? And that's where the healthy, and you know that's what God has, healthy attitude and perspective. Um, and so, as we prepare to close, I didn't get to cover it all, but as we prepare to close, I, I want to, <clears throat> I want to go somewhere and, and, and in fact, two, two, I really want to get these two points in. Number one, we met God at work and God at work, his work week, he's saying, he sees what happens and he says, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. So listen. It's good during the work week. I'm having a good time in the work week. Do you know that some people live for the break? They live for the end of the day. They live for the weekend. On Monday, oh my God, another Monday. Tuesday, one more day to hump day. Wednesday, well, it's hump day. Thursday, Lord, one more day till Friday. Friday, T-G-I-F. That's a miserable existence, whether one knows it or not. I was just reading a statistic. I was just reading a statistic that says that the average person works about 90,000 hours his or her whole life. 90,000 hours, 90,000 hours, and um, that that's a third, yeah, that was it, 90,000 hours, a third of his or her life, a third of his or her life, and can't be happy until just before break on Friday, just before the close of day on Friday. Isn't that sad? 
No, that is sad because that means you're sad Monday, <clears throat> Tuesday, start trying to come out of it on Wednesday, get a little better Thursday. And, and finally, Friday, you have a pretty good time. God does not intend for us to live miserable. He intends for us to enjoy. Sister Joyce Meyer had it right. Everyday life, that's a word from God. He intends for us to walk in joy every day. That doesn't mean he doesn't want us to have a vacation. Doesn't mean he doesn't want us to have a break. But 90,000 hours of gritting our teeth, 90,000 hours of rolling our eyes, 90,000 hours of clenching our fists, a third of our lives, you know, average, average. This is not, obviously this is not right, but, but average. Eight hours of work, eight hours of leisure, eight hours of sleep. Okay, well, the sleep hours, that's gone. So you've got 16 hours, eight of them. Half of your waking hours, miserable. And Lord help what the other half might be. That's not the will of God. And that's one of the reasons why he's, oh my goodness, my time. Uh, if you can spare about three and a half minutes, I'll, I'll close this. That's, that's one of the reasons why he called for this FKP, this Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength during your work week as well. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not just, hey, yes, sir, hallelujah, on Sunday. The joy of the Lord is your strength every day. And if it's not, it's because we're not allowing it to be. It's because of our perspective being so narrow and so limited. We've made him God of Sunday. But when we meet him, we don't meet him. On the Sabbath. Now we meet him on Sunday because Sunday is the first day of the week. But but we don't meet him on a ceremonial religious day. We meet him on a work day. We meet him and, and, and he's every day. That's good. Inside. That's good. That's good. God wants you to have a good time. God wants you to feel good. God wants you to have a good view of who you are and what you do every day. And that's why that attitude piece that we were talking about with Chuck Swindoll, his writing on attitude that, uh, and his speak, uh, speaking on attitude, that's why that's so important. Because some of us are committing another kind of suicide, an internal suicide, not with a gun or with a knife, but, but we're killing ourselves because of a perspective that is so toxic. This, this initiative, this FKP initiative was designed for us to help people shift their perspectives to a kingdom of God, life-giving perspective. Now, please understand this. You may be in a job that is not your final destination. Because God has a destiny for you in which uh, uh, lies your destination. He has called you to a work. When we meet God, he is, he is doing jobs, but he's accomplishing a work. The work is the making of a world. Even so, you are doing a job, but you've been called to a work. You've been called to a work. And there can be a situation where someone hired you to do a job that doesn't fulfill you, but you know God has called you to a work. Here's what I want you to understand. Sometime God will use the man who hired you to do a job as his amplifier because he's the God who's called you to do a work. There's something that you will learn in the job. There's something that you will uh, gain while doing the job that will prepare you for the work. David's job as little shepherd boy prepared him for the work of shepherding his nation. Man hired him to do a job. God called him to do a work, but God fixed it that the man hiring him to do the job, the man hiring him to do the job equips him for the God who's called him to do the work. It's not in vain. 
Wherever you are right now is not in vain. Whatever you are doing right now, however you're serving right now, is not in vain. Don't allow the enemy to cause your attitude to become toxic because the position that you're in is not the fullness of what you know he called you to be. Your beat is still coming. Your destiny is still coming. The prophetic word over your life is still coming. But in the meanwhile, understand that God has you positioned in a place where the job that it seems as if the devil meant it for evil is going to prepare and equip you for the work that God has already determined for your good. Well, I told you that I was going to let you go, and so I must. Uh, Cara Burnett used to sing a little song and say, uh, I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. Um, seems we just get started, and before you know it, comes the time we have to say so long. Well, we're going to say so long. I pray that you've been edified, strengthened, encouraged, challenged, maybe corrected, because there's so much more. There's always so much more. You are God's kingdom professional. You are God's representative. You're God's teacher. You're God's principal. You're God's nurse. You're God's CNA. You're God's truck driver. You're God's Uber driver. Do you hear me? Every function, that's right, First Lady, every function that you occupy, First Lady Fryer, First Lady Davis, I'm looking at both of you. You are that for God. All right. Till we meet again, this is Michael Blue of the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals encouraging you to do what? Go forth today and lead. Make the name of Jesus Christ glorious. Make the career of Satan brief. Cut it off and miserable. Together, let us bring pleasure to Christ's heart. Let us bring fame to his name. Until we meet again, may the peace of God go with you. Thank you for listening to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, FKP, the podcast. If you'd like more engagement, click the link in the show notes join like-minded professionals in the FKP Facebook group. Follow us at Bishop M.A. Blue on all platforms. Also join the FKP Weekly Conversation Live every Monday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Finally, be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. May God bless you until we meet again.